0: Hello, hello, hello. Let's talk about a few of our favorite things, specifically homeschool things today. And no, I'm not going to talk about specific books that you must use for this grade to teach that. Instead, I wanna talk about overarching problem-solving tips and hacks that can make homeschooling more enjoyable, more engaging, and easier. Here are a few things that have been working really well for us during the past couple years. So grab some coffee and let's get started. Welcome to The Simple is the New Smart Podcast. I'm Zara Fagan, PhD, author of Minimalist Homeschooling and the creator of The Simple is the New Smart Membership. And this is the place where we talk about how less really is more and how simple really is the new smart. This is the place for any homeschooler who wants to trade stress, exhaustion, overwhelm, and self-doubt for peace, clarity, confidence, and a sense of true abundance. It turns out that transforming our mindset really can transform our homeschools and our lives. We'll talk tips and strategies, stories and perspective, and interview people who have lessons to teach us. And I am just so happy that you're here. Are you ready? Let's do this. Hello and welcome back to the Simple is the New Smart podcast. I am Zara Fagan and today we are talking about a few of our favorite things and specifically a few of our favorite homeschooling things. And so today's category I think falls into the coffee chat kind of conversation. Basically what I'd like to do today is talk about some things that work really well in our homeschool that other people sometimes like to hear about. So when I have conversations with other homeschooling parents and we get to talking about what's working or what's not working or the problems that we're having or how can we do more of this in our homeschool or how do we do less of that in our homeschool, these are the sorts of things that commonly come up in conversation from me. So these are the things that work really well for us. These are the things that solve some of the problems with our homeschool. And so these are some things that I thought I would share with all of you. So with that, I want to make sure that this podcast is not taken as a new should do or to do list for every homeschooler, because you guys know I am just here to try to keep things simple and focused. And valuable. So if some of these ideas could add some simplicity or some value or some focus to your homeschool, then by all means, they're yours to incorporate. If it sounds like it won't work for you, then just skip that one and move on to my next idea which may work better for you and your homeschool. I will say also that my kids range in age right now from kindergarten through eighth grade. So some of these ideas are going to be more geared towards the younger years. Some of these ideas work much better with older, more independent students. So let's just get into it and let's see if there are some little nuggets or morsels that will help you out in your homeschool. So grab your coffee, maybe a notebook and a pencil and let's get started. So the first thing I want to bring up is that we have a makerspace and we have had a makerspace ever since my children were about preschool aged. And how that looks is that we personally use an old armoire that we got at an estate sale. I think we paid like $25 for the armoire and an old student desk. So it was not an expensive investment, but it has been so so valuable in our homeschool because we fitted the hanging area with shelves and then I filled the drawers and the shelves with our sort of craft supplies and the most popular by far drawer has been the recyclables drawer and that's where I put the old containers and scoops hinges Paper towel tubes, Tupperware container lids that don't have a match, old CDs or DVDs, all of that sort of went into a drawer. And then also in the makerspace, we have things like tape and glue and string Buttons, pipe cleaners, those sorts of things. And so my boys, especially, would spend hours creating things out of these recyclable materials. And they varied from different inventions that would do something to being pet habitats or that sort of thing. But the idea here is that if you have listened to my podcast, you know I have a very popular episode about child directed learning. And that there's sort of this win win when our children can learn things on their own, they can teach themselves things, they can explore the world and expand their creativity and their problem-solving skills on their own. And we as homeschooling parents don't necessarily have to micromanage that. So this makerspace is by far one of my favorite ways to promote child-directed learning. So because of this makerspace, I have not felt pressured to do nearly as many planned arts and crafts with my children. And I've actually found that if I have a planned project where we are going to make a certain thing, right, the outcome is predictable. They are mimicking this thing that I've created. Now they're going to go make their own. My children are a lot less enthusiastic about those sorts of projects, unless I've picked out something that I know they'll really, really love. Whereas they are always enthusiastic about diving into a whole bunch of different materials. So our makerspace has evolved as our children have evolved. So, originally there was no paint there weren't any really messy things that I worried about the kids having now we have paint in there we have glitter in there and all of these sorts of things that I feel like they can manage better and there's clay whereas originally when my children were younger I didn't put clay or play-doh in the makerspace. that was something special for mommy similarly with the paint right so you can decide what goes in your makerspace. I think that's what makes it interesting, you know, having the beads, some children want to use those as eyes on these little people that they're making. Other kids want to make jewelry when they see the beads, right? And so the idea with this makerspace is that it is completely open-ended and they really get to practice their creative skills. Now, as my children have gotten older, I attribute the makerspace with creating very creative kids who are not afraid to dive in and just see what happens and to try this out or tinker with that thing. So now I have boys who have taken over their father's workbench in the basement and one is building RC airplanes. They both like to modify Nerf guns. I'm not sure if this is something that you've heard about, but kids will open up Nerf guns and they'll put in tighter springs or change the batteries, change the flywheels and basically create a Nerf gun that shoots much farther and much harder than it originally did. So don't try this at home, full disclaimer, do it at your own risk. But the moral of the story is now I have older children, middle school age children who are doing woodworking, they're building things, and they're creating things still to this day that evolved originally from just having this drawer of recyclable materials with some string and some Velcro and some tape right? So I have loved that in our homeschool. And I think it applies to any age. Of course, if your children are older and you're just now starting this idea, then it's going to look more like a grown-up creative or craft space, right? So modify it to whatever works for your kids. But I love, love, love child-directed learning. And so our makerspace has been a huge component of that throughout all of our homeschooling career. So highly recommend. Definitely one of my favorite things. Okay, guys, the next one is short and sweet. And this is knowing boundaries on my time has been a huge game changer. So this is on a personal note, but it took me way too long to accept that there were certain hours during the day when we could be really productive in our homeschooling. And then there were other hours during the day where we had to switch gears and let the kids be imaginative, let me as an introvert have my quiet time, those sorts of things. And I fought it for so long because I had in my mind that there was a certain quantity of work I wanted to get done. And so I was forcing myself and my children to keep pushing through, even though it was a time of day, maybe when they weren't awake yet, or maybe they were tired and irritable because they had already spent so much time doing other things. And so one of my favorite things is that homeschooling allows us this luxury to school when it works best for us. And I would encourage everyone to take full advantage of that and set boundaries on your time because we're all different. But if we can accommodate when we're at our best and when we are feeling more extroverted or energetic versus when we start to feel frustrated or irritable or lose our patience, then everything goes a lot smoother. And the clincher for me was realizing that the quality of what we were doing severely declined when I was pushing through during hours that were not optimal for us. And so this notion of we need to be getting a certain amount done was creating even more frustration for me because now I was trying to get things done and it was harder to get things done. And I was pushing through all these extra hours and those things still weren't getting done well. And so I really shifted my mindset to realize that these are our good hours What are the best things I can do in that limited amount of time? Because I want our time to feel valuable and I don't want to make this a miserable experience for anyone. So setting boundaries on our time for specific homeschooling tasks has been a huge game changer for me and I resisted it for way too long. So don't be like me. Just accept there are good times of your day to do certain types of things and there are other times of the day that are better suited to other types of things and go with it. So while we're on scheduling, I do want to say that we finally figured out how to have one day a week that was more relaxed in our homeschool. It took me a long time to figure that out. Forever, I've been reading about people who have fun Fridays or something to that effect. And in the past, I tried using co-ops for that day where we would be at a co-op during the day. So it wasn't a regular homeschool day in the sense that we weren't doing our homeschool curriculum per se on those days. It didn't work particularly well for us. And also, I didn't like the pressure of naming like a field trip day, even though my children really like field trips. But the idea of having to go on a field trip every single week got to be a bit much. And my children, when I called it a field trip day, they started to expect to get a field trip. And that was just a lot. And so what I did is I started calling it a relaxed day or an impromptu day. And this has been really beneficial in our homeschool. Some people have fun Fridays, and that's when they always do art or they always do something or another. And for us, what I needed was more flexibility for that day. So we could, on those days, we could play games. We could go on field trips. We could watch movies or documentaries. We can schedule our gatherings with friends. And I think this has been the biggest benefit of me having this open day on our calendar is then when friends say that they want to get together or let's go on a field trip together or let's do a book club together, I can automatically say this day is really good for us every week. And so that impromptu day has allowed me to say yes to so many other things and without feeling like I was going to have to sacrifice homeschooling during that time if I said yes to some things. Also... I use that day probably about once a month as an organizing day. So my children may play games or watch documentaries or work in their maker space and do those sorts of things, but I use the day to organize or purge or to grade things or to plan things. It's like a teacher work day for me. And that has been really, really helpful for my own for my own mental load. And so I really, really am loving this impromptu day that I can use for whatever we need most or want most at that time that week, or I can use it to schedule things with our friends like different gatherings, or hey, do you want to meet at the YMCA? And really the only thing that I require on those days is math. For our children and then we kind of see what else happens and it's also been good because if my children say hey I want to do more of this or I want to paint or can we do this kind of project or can we learn to weave then I already have the open space on our calendar that I can pick an impromptu day and say sure we'll do that in a week or we'll do that in a couple weeks and the space is already there for it and I'm not feeling reluctant because it's going to displace something else So I've really appreciated that. And I love that I've given myself permission to use that day to organize things. So as soon as I start to feel overwhelmed, I carve out part or all of that day for me to do stuff that I feel like I need to get done in order to be at my best. So when I asked my kids what they like best, they said they really liked out of the box field trips. And so some of the things that I have scheduled or that other homeschoolers have scheduled is, for example, we went on a tour of a wind farm. So Those big, 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 huge windmills that exist, there actually are like tours of those and they do a presentation that shows like how it was constructed. And the one that we went to, they had like a science lab portion where they were explaining how it generates electricity. And so they really, really love that. I planned a field trip once to the planetarium, a local planetarium, and they really enjoyed that. We also have our, this is going to sound strange, but our solid waste facility has tours. And they have it set up as like an environmental center. And so they do field trips there. We have a nearby nature center we have and other homeschoolers have contacted them and said, hey, I want to do a field trip for these age groups. And I think a lot of these places charge like two to five dollars per head for these sorts of field trips. And they have been way, 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 way popular with my kids to do these sorts of things. We also have an arboretum near us that has a lot of hands-on children's stuff, and they always love to go there. And so when I asked my kids what they love, they said they love field trips that aren't necessarily to the museums. Although they do love museums too, these sort of unique field trips have really stood out to them. So thinking out of the box for field trips has been really fun for us and our family. And then Going along with this idea of scheduling things, we have started doing a book club with another homeschool family. And what I love about this is that it's totally low key because it's only one other family. You can definitely do this with more families for sure. But I find that the more people that you include, the more complicated it gets as far as scheduling and all of those sorts of things. So do whatever works for you. But we take turns picking a book. We decided that we wanted to do sort of classic literature. Our kids are similar ages. We choose one or two books that are appropriate for the kids and we read them over the course of a month. And then at the end of the month, we have a book club, which again, I schedule on that impromptu day each month and it takes up a couple hours, two to three hours on that day. And we alternate whoever chose the book hosts the book club and we try to do some sort of themed type of party. So whether that's, decorating for it or serving specific foods or playing a game that's related to the book or something like that. And we let the kids take over a lot of it so that the book then is meaningful and engaging to them. And the reason I love this book club is because it checked so many boxes for us. One, I wanted us to be reading more classic literature. And so this keeps us on pace for reading approximately one book a month. And honestly, if you're reading eight, nine, 10 classic books throughout the school year, that's a lot. That's plenty. It's really good. And so I feel really great about adding that to our homeschool. And I love that it's low key and super easy. And a lot of that has to do with the family that we've chosen to do the book club with. And then I love that the book club makes this book more memorable for the kids and more enjoyable for the kids. So I love the book club idea. That's been working really, really well for us. And then let's go on with some like scheduling tips, shall we? My younger two loved when I, I don't even know how I came up with this, but I started giving them quote unquote folder work. And I'm sure this is some spin-off of what we often see. I've seen scenarios where people have these towers of the little thin drawers, and you can pull out these little drawers and they fit papers. And in those drawers, they'll have different subjects or different papers for each of the kids or things like that. They're like the rainbow drawers. And I've seen stuff like that. And I find that a little bit overwhelming personally. Again, I'm all about like super simple. But at the beginning of the school year, my girls who were kindergarten and third grade had a lot of like review work I wanted them to do. So they had random pages and random workbooks that I wanted them to work on because I knew they hadn't done those things yet, whereas the rest of the workbook would have been too easy for them. Does that make sense? So a lot of times what happens when we're homeschooling is that we are following one particular workbook or one particular curriculum, and then we realize that they need some more work on something, or maybe that particular curriculum didn't cover something that we want covered. Like maybe it didn't include time or money in our math curriculum, for example. So anyways, I ended up at the beginning of the school year with a bunch of these sort of random things that I wanted my girls to review or work more on, but it wasn't well suited to a particular curriculum. It wasn't well suited to even one particular workbook that they could just work straight through. So what I did is I got a binder and I put four pocket folders in it because we have our impromptu day. So I literally put in folders for the other four days and then I ripped out the pages out of their various workbooks and put them in their folders for each day of the week. So then inside the folder, I taped a little index card and it would say, for example, it would say Monday and then it would say folder work, which basically meant any worksheets that were in that folder. Plus for the older child, I'd say independent reading. Plus, oh, journaling, I had her journaling and that sort of thing. So I basically had this very short list on a small index card of things that I wanted my elementary age kids doing each day of the week that kept it really manageable for them and it allowed me to then review things and work on things in a sort of scattered way, right? Just to pick and choose what they were going to do. So I would put in some logic puzzles and some mazes and things like that, that I know that they enjoy that again, aren't necessarily included in a curriculum. So, you know, for the younger one, I'd pull out the handwriting practice for the letters that I knew she still hadn't mastered yet, or pull out the, the pages for writing the numbers that she'd write backwards, like the threes and the fives only, because she was fine with the rest of them. It allowed me to be be really selective about what they were doing each day and my girls loved it they loved pulling out their binder (laughs) and opening up their folder for that day and when they completed a page they put it in the other side of their folder and they just went through and once they had completed all their pages for that day and done whatever else was on the index card then they were done for the day and to them it felt super manageable they got kind of excited to see like oh what am I gonna have to do today because like I said I did put some unique things in there And so I could also go to education.com. I'm not sure if you guys are familiar with this, but I do have a membership to education.com because you can play games and print worksheets on specific things. So you can just go there if you need something on like your eight times tables. You just go in, you search for multiplication worksheets and print whichever ones suit you. So I filled the folders on Sunday each week, ripping pages mostly out of workbooks until I felt like everything else in that workbook was old news and we didn't need the rest of the workbook. And I'd throw away <laughs> the rest of the workbook unless it would have been useful for my younger one. And so it kept things really, really focused because when I asked my kids what they like or don't like about homeschooling, they were all emphatic, at least my older ones were emphatic, that they don't like When I, one, make them wake up early, (laughs) they they love that they can sleep in, especially my teenagers. So my my younger ones, my elementary age, they're up on their own. It's not an issue. But my teens, my 12-year-old and almost 14-year-old, they really like the fact that they can sleep in. But that's a huge luxury for them, especially because they have a lot of evening activities. It's become really important for them to be able to sleep in. So with that said, they like to sleep in. And the other thing they all said was that they don't like it when they feel like things are wasting their time. They don't like videos that they feel like they already know. They don't like books about things that they feel like they already know. They don't like taking classes where they feel like they're not learning anything that they don't already know. They don't like wasting their time. And so my girls, this folder work idea goes along really well with that. There's no busy work at that point. And so if you are someone, especially if you're like me and you have multiple children and maybe you've accumulated workbooks from the older children that you've kept around because you know there are still good pages for the younger ones, maybe this system would work really well for you where you can just rip out the pages and put them in the folder and then you know work your way through these workbooks using only the pages that you really need right now and then throw away the rest or save it for the next kid. The folder work idea has been really, really, really good in our homeschool. Also, I wanna bring up here that I do have another podcast episode in the Simple as New Smart Podcasts. Number 18 is all about choosing subjects simply. So if that's something you feel like you need in order to be planning your homeschool better and choosing things that are really going to resonate with you and your kids so that you feel like you're making the most of that time that you have with them, go listen to episode 18. I'm not gonna review all of that here, but that podcast is there for you. Okay, another thing that I really like as my kids get older is this idea of reading their way through the homeschool. So this is gonna be similar to, I don't know if anybody here has read the book or remembers the book called The Brainy Bunch, which was about a homeschooling family that sent a lot of their kids to college at a very young age, and these children were very successful with advanced degrees, and they were talking about how they did it. Or maybe you've heard of Robinson Curriculum. It's a very similar idea. The idea is that you focus on reading, writing, and math, and you get all of the other subjects through the reading and the writing. And so this has worked really well with one of my children, I would say, to think about whether or not this is something that will work well for your family. So I did buy the Robinson Curriculum. However, that book list didn't really do it for us. And so I've found myself creating my own book list. But it's the same idea as the Sprainy Bunch or Robinson Curriculum idea, which is you basically give books and reading assignments and writing assignments that cover science literature history and religion if that's something you want to study so the way it works for us is that my son does math for a certain amount of time every day then he reads for a certain amount of time every day and he has four books to read from and I leave it up to him whether he is going to read them each independently or whether he wants to mix them up so he has a history book a literature book a science book and a religion book a lot of times most of those books are ones that he has helped choose. So if we need to pick a next history book, for example, we use a classical timeline of events in our homeschools. So we do a three-year cycle through history and a classical timeline. And so it's really easy with history to say, we're studying ancient times now. Let's start at the beginning of the ancient events at the beginning of the year. Which events do you feel like you need to learn more about? Let's get some books from the library about that event, right? Because he may know a whole lot about Egyptians. It's very easy to teach Egyptians starting from when they're very young, right? But he may not know a whole lot about the Hittites at this point in middle school. So let's get some some books about the Hittites. Let's get some books about China's Shang Dynasty. We are able to do history really easily. We just get him some books on different events in history chronologically throughout the school year. Science, he will actually read science textbooks as his science. Of course, I try to get the textbooks that are written in a way that's engaging for middle schoolers. And then religion, religion. There are tons of religion books, obviously, to choose from, and then literature. So it's pretty simple. He has four books. He has a certain number of hours each day that he's reading. And then I give him a writing assignment once a month. So he has to have that writing assignment done, and it's usually related to one of those four subjects, and I give him a deadline. He has to do a certain amount of writing every day. He can either use that to work on the assignment that I've given him, or he can use that time to free write, which he really, really enjoys doing. So he does a lot of free writing and editing his own like creative writing in addition to then having a writing assignment. And again, it's this idea if my middle schooler is completing a solid writing assignment once a month, eight, nine, 10 writing assignments in a school year is really good. It's plenty. And then he doesn't feel overwhelmed. So it's a perfect amount of freedom for him. He's helping to choose the books as well as he's having this time to do his own creative writing versus structure so that I can make sure that he's obtaining some skills that I think are important at his age and that he's making this sort of step-by-step progress as far as improvement that I'm challenging him to get a certain level of skills that he can continue to build upon, right? But he's also challenging himself and I'm good with that. It goes back to the self-directed learning, right? And if my child says like, hey, I wanna learn about this event in history, homeschooling is amazing because I get to say, okay, let's get some books about that. The idea of this learning through reading and keeping writing really, really simple has been awesome. And what you can do if you're doing this system that I found also works, if we're talking about like tweaking these things, is that for the writing portion of his time, if you feel like there's grammar that you'd like to work through, something structured like a workbook or a textbook on grammar, you can absolutely say that hour that you spend on writing each day, I need you to complete two pages in this during that time. So during the week, I want you to have eight pages done, six pages done, 10 pages done. And I give him the flexibility that you can do all of those pages on Friday and Monday if you want. You know, you don't have to do it every single day, just get it done. And so I have done that with him as well in case there are certain, again, skills that you think it's important for them to know. And so it doesn't have to be so simple that you feel like you're neglecting things or that you're deprived. I think the framework allows us to then sort of tweak it in a way that we feel like we really are checking all the boxes in a way that's very liberating and very empowering for the kids. And I think that's the main thing. This child who wants to do this, he's a very independent spirit, and he likes to feel like he's been given a lot of responsibility. And so along those lines, what works really well with us is this idea of do the next thing. In this case, it would be once you finish one book, move on to the next book, and I'll replace that, right? So you finish your history books. I'm going to give you a new history book. You finish your literature book. I'm going to give you a new literature book, right? I'm going to have a conversation with you about it. And then we're going to move on to the next one. I think the idea of do the next thing works for any curriculum, right? So you pick up your algebra book, you do the next thing in your algebra book, you pick up a reading or phonics curriculum, you just do the next thing. And you're always doing what's best with the time you have available, right? During that window of time, when you're really, really feeling good about what you're doing, you just do the next thing. But along with that, especially as my children got older and for my own sake, it's been really good to do the next thing plus have deadlines. So do the next thing. Plus, here's what I want to get done in this month. It's good for me to have deadlines. And then as my children have gotten older and more independent, I found that deadlines were sort of imperative. Otherwise they floundered a little too much. So giving them books and saying, and you have an essay due at the end of the month on this one enables them to stay accountable on some level. So do the next thing plus deadlines. The deadlines have been huge. And then what I did is that I set up meetings, student meetings once a week with each of my older kids so that we could touch base about where they were in the books that they're reading, how they were doing on their assignments, and that sort of thing. Normally, if something is due, it's due on that day that they have their morning meeting with mom. And isn't that nice alliteration? They have a morning meeting with mom. So there we go, guys. Those are a few of my favorite homeschooling things right now. So I know that this podcast isn't a lot about our favorite curriculum. And part of that is because I have four kids and there are very few things that I've found have been great for all four kids. I have found things that work for all four kids, but it's usually for like phonics, kindergarten and first grade. And I do have a blog post about My favorite curriculum for kindergarten and first grade, because I do find that there are a lot of things that did work for all four kids. But as they get older and as as homeschoolers, we are trying to meet each of their individual needs, their pace, how they learn, those sorts of things. There have been fewer and fewer things that I find are universally amazing for all four kids. And so I'm a super flexible teacher in that regard where I will do what works for one kid and not another kid. And I'll switch it up from year to year so that I am able to engage them on all different levels. And so that's why I have a really hard time doing a podcast about you know any curriculum that would be a must have, because I think that the goal is learning. Learning is learning. And so what I really wanted to do in this podcast was give you some ideas about how to make it more engaging, how to make it more enjoyable, how to make it easier, because I think that's the advice we need more so than what book do we use. So with that, I am wishing you all the simple things. Have a great one. I'll talk to you soon. Bye now. If you'd like to help the Simple is a New Smart podcast be visible and easily found by other homeschoolers looking for simple, I hope that you will leave a great review on iTunes or your favorite podcast platform. Subscribe and tell a friend. Thanks so much.